Good morning, Lindsley Avenue. Good morning. It's good to see everybody today. Hope you've had a great week. I hope it's been a week that we have been focusing on getting closer to God. And I'm really happy to see some visitors. We're glad you're here. We hope you will come back. I've said before, the sign on the front by the door says, All are welcome. And perhaps of all places in this town, it's certainly true here. So thank you for being here and thank you for coming to worship God this morning. We are in the middle of a series of lessons looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. And this morning we're going to look at patience. I noticed on the picture of the tree there, uh, intended to be the tree where the fruit of the Spirit is on, patience is a peach. We often say in that sense that if a peach is considered easy, it's, it's peachy, things are good, patience is often a hard thing to exhibit. So perhaps that's supposed to be ironic that patience is a peach on that little tree. It's also making me want some peaches this afternoon. So we'll put that off for a little while. When we think of patience, there are times and situations that will try our patience. That's a picture of a Costco gas line. Patience can be very, very difficult to maintain depending on our circumstances. Me, been in a line like that recently? I know I have. Or, patience can show up in a different kind of line. I mean, if you're looking at that, the store may be going out of business and others may be going out of their minds standing in such a long line. Who knew that I would need to stand in line to buy a 50% off piece uh, roll of scotch tape? or whatever may be in the basket right there. This patience tester is a post office. If you've ever been to a post office, my apologies anyone here that may work at a post office, but it's a hard place to get through the line sometimes. That was the test of my patience some years ago. That was the customs line in the uh, airport in Johannesburg, South Africa. I had flown in and I had four hours to make my connecting flight. I thought, that should be pretty easy. I come through customs, I get my bag, I recheck, get back on a plane, shouldn't be that difficult. I had barely moved after an hour. So all of these people, all of these people, patience being tested. Examples of patience abound. This is a picture of a line of people in Malawi in Africa, where I've been four times. And these people are standing in line in the sun and the heat in order to get a Bible. Merely a Bible, I might say. Something that some of us may have, five, ten, not sure how many Bibles may have. These individuals were standing in line for a Bible, patiently standing in line. In fact, the only time they were not patient is when they thought they might not get one because of people breaking in line. And unfortunately, we ran out. There were more people wanting them than we had at the time. So the committee that I had served on that provided money for things like that, Bibles over there, we had never turned down a request for money to buy Bibles because despite how many we may have, there are people willing to wait in line to get one. I purposefully put this picture up next, and if you look closely, the word is misspelled at the top from our goal today, 
because that's a doctor's office waiting room. And in there, how, how interesting is it that the doctor refers to us as patients? I suppose we may test the doctor's patients, but we are also having our patients tested sometimes. Why set an appointment for 3 o'clock if you're pretty sure you're never going to see me until after 4.30? I, I watched one time, and I was in a room with my father, who's not here this morning, for an hour and 10 minutes. I'm talking in an exam room before the doctor came in. I might have preferred to sit out on the comfy chairs out in the lobby for a Patience. Patience. But I thought how funny it was that that is also the spelling of the word. So they really do, I think, these pictures show the idea behind patience. And we've heard it our whole lives. Wait your turn. Hang on a minute. Bide your time. Chill out. I don't know whether that's still the in vogue expression, but chill out. Or chill, bro. Yeah. Not so fast. Bear with me a moment. All of these are expressions asking someone else to show a little bit of patience, to have a little patience. But we live in a terribly impatient society. I can't believe it takes four minutes or five minutes to microwave some sort of meal. I don't have time for that. In fact, that was the meme or the song. Ain't nobody got time for that some five, six years ago. You may have seen the video. Rather humorous. It's a crazy world in which we live. A crazy world. But as members of God's family, people who have the Spirit of God living within them, one of the fruits the Spirit should generate that should show in our lives, one of the fruits the Spirit should generate is patience. Well, the word translated patience really means long-suffering or suffers a long time. Puts up with things a long time, truly sometimes. Bearing with members of our family, suffering a long time with a member of our family, those in our church, in our congregation, those in our circle of friends, or even those who are strangers, we encounter bearing with them a long time may simply mean suffering by holding back some sort of response before ever allowing some sort of sinful action or sinful, angry words to come out. I used to tell our kids, think what you like, but keep your mouth shut. Now, you know, if you have to, tie a knot in your lips, because once those words are out, it's a different ballgame. My thought was, we'll work on the thoughts next, but at the very start, stop the words from coming out, because words coming out really is a sign of surrender, especially if it's related to Losing our patience. We've lost more than patience. We've lost control of ourselves. So, at the first step, right, think what you like, but stop the words from coming out, and then we can focus on getting the thoughts better aligned with what this whole idea means. So, this one's tough. At least it is for me. Tough. What does the Bible say about patience? Well, the first statement up here is actually a statement aimed at me. This is Paul writing to Timothy, a fairly young preacher, and Paul's giving him some instructions on how to be a better preacher. So this is a book I need to read, I like to read, because it helps me become a better messenger trying to relay what God has to say. 
Paul says to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. He tells this preacher, preach the word, tell forth the word, explain the word, reason with people from the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Whether it's a convenient time or an inconvenient time, be ready all the time to talk to people and reason with them about God, about what God wants of us and what God did for us. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. If somebody's not behaving the way someone who's a member of God's family should be behaving, if you let it go, then you're exposing them to danger. You have to call them back to be the kind of person they're supposed to be. You, you, you show again from what God wants that their lives are not aligned with what God wants and say, hey, over here, and hopefully pull them back. Look at the phrase there that I underlined, with complete patience. If only it had said with patience. <laughs> but it doesn't. It says with complete patience. This is to the preacher. The preacher has to know that there are going to be times where you call somebody back to the line to get their lives back in place, to get their thoughts focused on God instead of themselves, and it isn't always going to happen right away. So the preacher needs to have complete patience and teaching. Why? Look at the last verse. The time is coming when people will not endure, will not seek out sound or healthy teaching. But having, here's an odd phrase, itching ears. When my ears itch, this is not what it's talking about. Having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves or find themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Itching ears is, is that the idea that the control is no longer with the preacher, the one who is called to explain what God wants, but the control is out there. The preacher is supposed to say, my family, my brothers and sisters here need to hear about Anger, just say that, right? And so the preacher gets up and explains about anger, explains why God doesn't want us to be angry or to be angry in the proper way, and calls us back and says, leave anger behind. Well, if he talks about that, and a number of people, I'm not saying you do, but a number of people have a problem with anger, you don't like that very much. So, you know, let's find us someone who's never going to preach on anger. And so I get the boot. And somebody comes in and they're just, oh, we all have problems, don't worry about it. You get someone to teach you who will teach what you want to hear, not necessarily what you need to hear. That's what verse 3 is talking about. So to me, I need to have patience as we attempt to call people back to God, call people to change their lives from wrong to right, knowing it isn't always going to be very easy for people or very quick. In the second place, let's look at 2 Peter 3. This happens to be right around my favorite passage, my favorite verses in the entire New Testament. Peter says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, toward me. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Therefore, since you are waiting for these things, the verses that are missing in the dot, 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 we're talking about uh, the, the world's going to end, all these things are going to be destroyed. Since you were waiting for these, for this event to happen, 
be diligent, give some effort to be found by him, by Jesus, by God, without spot or blemish and at peace. And count or view the patience of our Lord at salvation. Think about this for a minute. If God were not patient, the world would have disappeared a long time ago. Every morning, and morning occurs constantly in some place on the earth, people get up and decide to do what they want to do, and effectively, if they know better, thumb their nose at God. Humanity, people, us, have lived in rebellion toward God pretty close to since the world was made. And if God were not incredibly, almost, almost infinitely patient, the world would have disappeared. There have been times where if God had not been patient with me, there might have simply been a smoking ball and a pile of ashes on the ground. I'm so happy and thankful that God has been patient with me and all of us. But it isn't going to last forever. Patient now, giving everyone an opportunity, but the only way forever would be the case is if the world never ended and God has promised the world's going to come to an end. Patience is, we'll talk about definitional, uh, the definition of patience and what it really kind of means to all of us, is the ability to wait. Wait for something or someone. The ability to wait. I don't like waiting. Who likes waiting? Do you enjoy being in line at the post office? Did I enjoy being in that room waiting for the doctor? If we don't like waiting, but we need the ability to wait for something or someone. That's what patience is. And that's why I think it's so hard. It goes against what all of us generally want. And that's what makes it so difficult. So when you think about a broader application of eternal life coming, leaving this world of sorrow and pain and suffering behind. Romans 8.25 says, If we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We are all hoping and waiting for what we don't have yet, that home with God. We need to wait patiently for it. I mean, it's not something where you say, I want patience and I want it right now. If I don't have it yet, I have to learn how to wait properly without being impatient. Patience is the ability to control one's emotions, even when being criticized or attacked. Ever have somebody get in your face disagreeing with you? I don't know why they're so angry with me, but they want to be very close and be very angry with me. They're criticizing or they're attacking me. Jesus. Remember Jesus here. He showed patience even when his accusers were in front of him, spitting on him, smacking him upside the head. He did not even protest even when that was happening. Isaiah 53, speaking of Jesus, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers, those cutting the wool off, is silent, so he did not open his mouth. It can be real difficult when somebody's on your case, when somebody's losing their control and gets in your face. Remember what I used to tell my kids to? Because 
they hit me, they attack me, they verbally attack me, I will give them peace of my mind. Do that often enough and I don't have any mind left. We need to learn somehow patience is something we need to have to control our emotions, even if we're being attacked, fairly or unfairly, doesn't matter, we need to learn some control. It's the ability to remain calm when someone's not doing what you want them to do. I thought I told you to pick that up. It's very easy to get irritated when somebody's not doing what you asked them to do or told them to do. It's very easy to lose patience. Paul focuses on patience very, very clearly here in this passage from 1 Thessalonians 5.4. We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak, but at the same time, be patient with everyone. There are people who need to be encouraged, need to be poked, need to be helped, maybe even gently pushed along in the right direction. But you can't do that in an impatient manner. You've got to be patient with everyone. Patience is a whole lot of things. A whole lot of things. Look at this passage here. Hebrews 6, uh, 11 through 12. We desire each one of you to show the same earnestness and have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The path through our life to get home to be with God is not necessarily going to be an easy, straight path for any of us. There are going to be problems along the way. It's going to require being resolute, it's going to require being determined, it's going to require being focused to stay on the path, to stay on the road, to keep heading in the direction of where God is. Knowing that that hope we are seeking to have revealed at the end is really there. Look at the first part of the verse again. Each of us need to show that same earnestness, that same conviction, that same determination, and have the assurance of that hope turning into reality at the end, so that we won't go about that journey sluggishness, but to be imitators of people in the past who through, look at it, faith and patience inherited the promises. The context here is talking about Abraham. Abraham was told to get up and leave his home country and go to a land he did not know where it was. And a land that God would show him that would be the inheritance of his descendants. That was not an easy path. He lost his father on the way. It was not an easy path. It wasn't like people just said, come on in to him or his descendants. But he kept going where God wanted him to go. And he and his people inherited the promises and through his faith and his patience, the entire world was blessed. That was the promise God made to him. We have been blessed through Jesus because of what Abraham did in terms of patience and following through with his convictions. Colossians 
chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. We're not going to look at all 13 verses. Here there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. There are the idea of there being divisions in society, divisions between people, is not a 21st or 20th century thing. People have always looked to find ways to divide and have an us and a them. Here, Greek and Jew. That's one way of looking at how the world could be split. Circumcised, uncircumcised. That's another way of saying really Greek and Jew. Barbarian, people who could not speak Greek at all from countries that were not considered civilized. Scythian, uh, that's a tough word. Scythian here. Again, another division of people from other lands. Slave or free. You can turn that ball around and look and always find ways to have people in one group and others in another group. Ball, those with hair. That distinction makes every bit as much sense as every other distinction people have ever tried to impose on God's children. White black doesn't matter. Because look what he says. In Jesus, everything exists. Everything is part of Jesus. Once we are members of God's family, I'll use good English here, there ain't no difference. So if you see someone trying to divide in us or them, it needs to stop. Because we are all God's children. Yes. Continuing on. If we are God's children, if we have, in fact, become members of God's family, what does that mean? Verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, certain characteristics need to show up in our lives. Need to be flowing out of us. Compassionate hearts. When somebody's hurting, does it affect me at all? When somebody's going through a tough, a tough stint, a tough situation, do I care? Do I? In, in our world, there's a great deal of apathy. Phil Collins, some time ago, for you younger people, he. He had singing some songs there in the 1980s. He talked about walking on the street, not even really wanting to notice the person who needed help. For him, it's just another day in paradise. Right? You can't have a paradise if your heart is so stony, so unfeeling that it doesn't care about people God created. Brothers and sisters. We're all brothers and sisters. Many of us are brothers and sisters in Jesus. Our hearts cannot, cannot become stone and unmoved. Kindness. If I have a choice of how to act towards you, do I act nicely or unnicely? I had this conversation earlier in this auditorium, earlier this morning. And a person said, what does that even look like? And he used a phrase I won't repeat today. He said, well, most people act like, and use this phrase, I said, well, it's the opposite of that. Is the opposite of that. If it's something you don't like, then kindness would be the opposite of whatever made you not be happy, not be like. Humility, humility is the idea of I'm not number one. 
There were signs. I, I mentioned this in the last couple of weeks. There were billboards used to say, I am second. I am second. That's flat out wrong. I thought about actually reaching out to the people and saying, y'all got it wrong. They would have hung up thinking I was a crank. But they got it wrong. I'm not second. I'm third. I'm at least third. Because it ought to be God first, other people second, and me third or last. I'm not second. I'm at least third. Humility is the idea of looking to help other people before you help yourself. Meekness, it's not weakness. It's being determined. It's having a strong sense of purpose where you don't get off of your goal and you keep moving forward. And then this last one, oh, there's that word again. Patience. Patience. What does patience mean? I think that's the rest of this verse up here at the bottom. Bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against other, forgiving one another, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive each other. Patience is the idea of not letting something you're doing that annoys me make me lose my control. After all, how do I know what I do that annoys you? I don't annoy anybody. I'm a very unannoying person. So, patience. Bear with each other. If you have a complaint against somebody, if somebody's done you wrong, as God forgave me, I don't need to hold a grudge. I need to forgive you. Please forgive me. Please forgive me, but I need to be forgiven. We all do. We all do. Ephesians 4, another way of saying this over here in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We have been called out of the world. Our calling is to be different, to be God's people, not the world's people anymore. Well, what does it mean to be walking as somebody who is a member of God's family? We need to walk, live our lives with all humility and gentleness, with patience. Bearing with one another in love. I, again, I think that's like parentheses. Patience. Bearing with one another in love. You can bear with somebody and say, uh, storm off. You can't do it that way either. It needs to be bearing with one another with a heart of love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Suffering a long time, bearing with one another. Look at that last phrase. Unity of the Spirit. For a long time, I'd always thought unity of the Spirit was talking about when we are God's family, when we're gathered together, patience and this unity of the Spirit involves us, us getting along, and we have unity because the Spirit is here with all of us. I want to add another thought to that today. Right? I want to add another thought. It might very well be to maintain the unity of the Spirit within me. Remember, we've had as a kind of a foundation for the entire study that from the anatomy lesson study that the Spirit of God dwells within me. Well, if He's within me, we need to be one. We need to be unified. I can't be over here wanting to do this as if the Spirit's lagging behind me because it's not going over there. Well, by being patient, perhaps there's another meaning to this, that that unity of the Spirit 
sure, among the family out here, but the unity of the Spirit within me and my life. And if I'm not showing patience, I'm trying to pull away from the Spirit who isn't going to go in that direction. So this unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, and we talk about peace next week on our fifth Sunday. But patience, having that unity of the Spirit, I think has really, I really believe there's two meanings to that, two applications of that. One is the important one. The Spirit living within me needs to be in a home that it recognizes. So it needs to feel like being a home that it knows where it belongs because if I am stepping over here doing what I want to do, then the Spirit, who am I living within? Yeah, I, I know the Spirit knows who I am and all that kind of thing, but I'm just saying as an illustrated point, I need to be living the way the Spirit would have me live while I'm living. Where does this patience come from? Patience comes to us from the Spirit living within us. If you leave this morning thinking, I know I'm not patient, patient, I'm going to work on being more patient. You're missing the point that I want to make. Have you ever tried to do that before? You ever been in, a, in a, some kind of a class or a seminar, maybe it's work or something else, and they say, you should work on being more patient. It's going to fail. It's going to fail because I am failing human being on my own. And I can be more patient for a week, a few days, and then what's going to happen? I will relapse. And I'll be impatient again. The only way to show more patience in our lives is the same way, the only, the only way that we have to show more joy in our lives, more love in our lives, is to be closer to God. Yes. The thing to work on is not to show more patience that's an effect, is to work on what generates the patience. With the Spirit living within me, I need to seek more unity with God, more unity with the Spirit who dwells within me. These fruits are going to grow if I am the proper tree that has the core of the Spirit within me. Look at the tree again. Look at the tree. The tree doesn't say, I'm going to work at growing more Bananas. I know bananas don't grow that kind of tree. The spirit shouldn't, I mean, the, the tree isn't saying, I need to spill a banana. It doesn't work that way because it comes from the essence of what the tree is. What's my essence? Is my essence to be spirit minded? Is my essence to be close to God? If I recognize that's not true, then that's what I need to work on is to be more unified with the Spirit dwelling within me. That means thinking more about God. That means reading more about God, studying more about God, thinking more of God than of myself. When somebody loses patience, there's a fundamental reason why that happens. It's because of selfish behavior, a selfish thought. If I lose patience with you, it's because you are interrupting what I want to be doing. You're taking too much of my time. I got things I got to go do. Hurry up. Get done with it already. It's all based on selfish thinking. 
I can't really grow as a member of God's family and think of myself. The whole point of turning my life in the direction of God is to think of God first, others second, me at least third. I don't know what would come, make me fourth. I hadn't thought through that part yet, but certainly not second. So if you lose your patience this week, stop. Realize what's happened and ask yourself, how did I get to be thinking selfishly? And don't say, I'm going to do better and show more patience. That's the fail that will cause it to happen again. If you see yourself losing your patience, tell yourself, it happened, it happened because I was thinking selfishly. And then ask, how can I be closer to God? What can I do to get the Spirit more room to grow within me? That's the only way patience is really going to grow. Look at this last verse up here. Romans 2. You suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice these kinds of things that Paul's been talking about and yet do them themselves. Do you suppose that you can judge somebody for doing something while you're doing the same thing? Do you suppose you can escape the judgment of God? No, is the answer to that. You are a liar, and then I'm a liar? How's that going to turn out for me? Poorly. Poorly. Look at verse 4. Do you presume on the riches of His, God's kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? The patience of God is meant to give me an opportunity to come back to God and change my life. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Because there's not sometimes an immediate consequence of smoke and a pile of ash when we're around somebody that lies or around somebody that does something sinful, it, we get lax. We get kind of laid back. We, we don't take things too, too close to heart because plenty of time to fix our life. There's plenty of time for me to get right with God. Paul would disagree. Now, he wrote this 2,000 years ago, so it turns out there's been plenty of time since he wrote this. But he says, do you presume on the kindness of God? The kindness of God is there to give you time to get right with God. So the last slide. Therefore, Hebrews 3, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, I'm going to put the word in here. Please, please do not harden your heart. I want to ask everyone here to hear the call of God. Because we are never guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed this afternoon. If you're a member of God's family and you haven't shown patience, you haven't shown the joy, you haven't shown the love, you haven't shown any of these fruit, these fruits that should be coming from having the Spirit within the solution is not, I will resolve to be more joyful. The solution is to resolve to be closer to God. And the way we do that is by coming and asking for prayer. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of, I want to change. If you're 
not a member of God's family, if you understand that Jesus died for you, if you understand that God wants you to turn your life from living for yourself to living for God, then what God says to do is to be buried in the waters of baptism, reenact the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus so that as Paul says in Romans 6, you can be raised up to be a new person to walk in newness of life. In the meantime, God wipes the sins away out of your life. If there's any way that we can be of help to anyone here today, please hear God's call. Let's together we stand and see.